All right, it's Thursday. Time for a our weekly wellness update. Here's our wellness expert, Laura DeSanctis, who joins us now. Hey there, Laura. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Hi, Jeff. Happy St. Patty's Day. All right. Uh, first of all, actually, I was going to ask you about this. We always talk about the importance of sunshine. We're enjoying some great St. Patrick's Day weather this afternoon. Have you been enjoying the sunshine? I have. I actually went out this morning for a walk. I got that vitamin D. Love the feeling of the sun on my face. It's just, I don't know about what it is, but spring, summertime, I just feel like alive again. You know, everything comes out. Do you feel that way? Yeah, it feels like a bit of a rebirth almost, doesn't yeah. it? Yes. <laughs> okay, since it is St. Patrick's Day, we thought we would start here this week on our wellness update and talk about maybe the pros and cons of beer. Mm-hmm. And let's start, if we could, Laura, with the pros, because there has to be at least one. Isn't there one positive to beer consumption? <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of the beer bellies, but some people like it. But if we had to look at the nutrients and the vitamins and the minerals, beer is considered a good source of pet- uh, potassium, magnesium, calcium, phosphorus, um, some of the B vitamins. So beer, if you look at all the alcohols, it's considered one of the good sources if you look at these different um antioxidants and vitamins, so potassium, magnesium, calcium. But also the darker the beer, apparently the more antioxidants that it has. Mm, Okay, that's interesting and good to know here on St. Patrick's Day with the Guinness being, of course, a big beer during a St. Patrick's Day. And I'm sorry, you said uh, beer is good for vitamin B? For vitamin B, so it's rich in vitamin B, especially uh, barley and hops that's used in the production of beer. They're rich in flavonoids and they are rich in B vitamins and they're supposed to have powerful antioxidant effects. All Mind right. you, I've never consumed beer, so I can't, <laughs> I can't make a statement about that. Am I the only one that finds it ironic that beer is rich in vitamin B? I mean, that just seems a little too poetic, doesn't it? Right? Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I didn't think so at all. And I also saw some studies that it said that beer helps improve blood sugar levels. If you're drinking light amounts of alcohol, it may help reduce the risk of developing diabetes. But there's more research that needs to be done around that, too. Okay. So at least there are a few. There's a few pluses, positives, pros to uh, the consumption of beer. On the other side of the ledger, what are some of the cons maybe we should be aware of when it comes to consuming beer? Um, I mean, with any type of alcohol, we have to be careful about the dependency. So everything in moderation because alcohol is an addictive substance. So that's number one. But number two is that it can increase the risk of liver disease. So drinking more than two beers a day can really increase our chances of developing fatty liver disease or cirrhosis. But it also can increase our blood pressure and then dehydration. So a lot of people don't realize this, but only 10% of what you drink is actually removed through urine and your liver needs water to get rid of the remaining alcohol. So your liver takes a big hit and it's forced to divert that water into other organs of your body, even your brain. And that's where you get when you drink a lot of beer, even alcohol, you're going to get those headaches because you're dehydrated. Um, So that's one. And then also the beer belly, right? So we joke about this a lot, but... Um, beer is really, really high in calories, and a lot of people drink their calories, especially on St. Patty's Day. So be mindful of that. Uh, drinking beer in large amounts can frequently lead to substantial weight gain. So I always tell people everything in moderation. Okay, when you talk about getting dehydrated or being dehydrated, beer, alcohol, it's more of a diure- diuretic, correct? It does not hydrate you? That's right. It is a diuretic. So um, that's one of the reasons why we get that hangover, um, because after the blood alcohol levels start to fall off, Um, we get worse symptoms because we're dehydrated. So um, a lot of people, I like to tell them, if you are going to go out for a night of drinking, like let's say today for St. Patty's Day, for every drink, make sure you're having at least uh, one glass of water in between. 
Okay, so that's preventative. But uh, what happens if I don't do that and I wake up tomorrow not feeling all that great? Uh, what are kind of some good strategies or the best way to maybe combat uh, a bit of a hangover? Um, I would always say sip water or fruit juice um, a lot of the time because alcohol promotes urination. Um, and what happens is we inhibit the release of this hormone called vasopressin. So what happens is it taxes our urine and, and our kidneys. So uh, if you have that hangover, sometimes you get uh, sweating or vomiting or diarrhea or dehydrated usually. So you want to sip that water or that fruit juice, but also have a bland snack. So in, I know a lot of people will maybe crave a pizza or something really fatty like a hamburger and fries, try to have some bland foods like toast or crackers because that's going to boost your blood sugar levels and settle your stomach and also sleep. And, you know, sleep for me, Jeff, is a non-negotiable and drinking actually interferes with brain activity during sleep. So sometimes when we wake up with a hangover, we get a really bad headache and that could be because we're sleep deprived. So if you sleep long enough, it could sometimes also cure your hangover. All right, and that segues nicely into our next topic this week, which is tomorrow we go from St. Patrick's Day to uh, National Sleep Day. And I think uh, maybe one might uh, kind of feed into the other. <laughs> it does. It does. I actually didn't know that this week is um, National Sleep Week. Oh, okay. So, so a full week. Yeah. Yeah. So um, what I was reading is that in a study, 45% of Americans say that there's poor insufficient sleep and it affects their daily activities. And we talk about this a lot on the show is that how much the importance of sleep is. And it's one of my non-negotiables. And I think it's um, something that a lot of people often overlook, but uh, having a good night's sleep and sleep hygiene is super important. Yeah, Tell us a bit more about sleep hygiene. What do you mean by that? I think having um, you know, a solid routine, uh, going to bed at the same time every night is key because um, especially if we think about the weekends or if there's days where we stay up late, we watch a show or we're reading or there's distractions, it kind of, um, we feel like we're off the next day, that something's not right. So setting up, uh, when I talk about sleep hygiene, making sure that you're going to bed every night at the same time and also ensuring that in your room when you go to bed at night, you're limiting distractions. So um, there's not a lot of electronics. Uh, maybe you want to shut down, like take off your phone, not look at your phone before bed or your TV and really just kind of rest before you're actually getting into bed and having that soundful sleep. Yeah. And don't forget the temperature of your room as well, because I read this a little while ago and I've started to really practice this at night, really drop the temperature, particularly in the bedroom. And if it's cooler, you sleep better. Yeah, it, that's true. And like you want to train your body. So the room temperature is a big one. Also training your body in terms of the light um, and also of Right now, we're springing forward, so our body, our circadian rhythm is a little bit off as well. So training your body to adjust to a certain temperature, uh, to the new time, training your body to shut off the bright lights and electronics around you, um, because that's really going to dictate your sleep hygiene habits. All right. Just finally, do we need to kind of switch our attitude when it comes to sleep, do you think, Laura? And I think this is happening uh, more and more, but people used to wear it kind of as a badge of honor that, oh, I only need five hours of sleep uh, a night. But I think the thinking is slowly changing here to, you know what, yeah. seven, eight hours is optimum. And that's uh, what my body needs to rest and recover and recuperate. I mean, I agree with that statement. Like, I mean, six to eight hours of sleep is necessary. I mean, everyone is different and everyone's body responds differently. But think about in the morning when you wake up and you're groggy and you're tired and you feel like you need that extra cup of coffee. Chances are because you probably didn't get a good quality sleep. So I think having that healthy bedtime habits and that schedule and a healthy sleep hygiene routine is really key. But 
make that a non-negotiable. I mean, you can always take a sleep support supplement like magnesium and melatonin as well. If you find that it's hard for you to get to sleep uh, on time or to get that six to eight hours of sleep, but sleep is essential. And I think it's a really great form of self-care. All right. World Sleep Week. And uh, tomorrow is a World Sleep Day. And because it is, uh, I'm going to go hard. I'm going hard on the sleep tomorrow. (laughs) Take those extra naps. (laughs) Yeah. Laura, good stuff as always. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. There's our wellness expert, Laura DeSanctis. Find her on Instagram at Go With Your Gut. And we're back after this. You're listening to The Jeff MacArthur Show. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.